what I did instead of feeling is I did stuff. Like I worked three jobs. I made myself so busy, you know. I um, was just constantly going and not stopping to think ever. And I, I very much felt if, if I stop, it, this could swallow me. Hi, folks, and welcome to the Undo Anxiety Podcast. I am Dr. John Duffy. I am your host today, and I'm going to jump right to it today because I'm so excited um, to have my good friend Kelly here today. Kelly, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. So I'm going to I'm going to describe you a little bit, okay? Um, and I'm going to brag a little bit about my friend Kelly. Um, so to my thinking, and, and tell me where I'm wrong. Kelly is. On paper, she is an executive. She's a vice president of a company you've heard of. Very impressive, very impressive resume. She's also the most amazing wife and mom and friend and activist that I know. She is a budding actress, dancer, comedian, <laughs> um, and all around chef. awesome, right? <laughs> chef, chef, thank you. And an all around most impressive, awesome person you want. You want to be me. You want to know and hang out with Kelly because wow. you get a good vibe every single time you walk away beaming. Thank you so much. How am I much. doing? Am that's, I close? Yes, very that's good. That's the resume. Very good. <laughs> All right, so that, that's my friend Kelly. So so uh, when we talk about undue anxiety, Kelly, I'm always talking about like um, what are the things that we go through that are difficult in our lives, right? And how do we rise above these circumstances and conditions? Mm -hmm. And when I put this thing together, you were one of the first people that came to mind because if we're being fair to you, you've been through a lot, and yet somehow you are this phoenix <laughs> that <laughs> rises um, and somehow sees all this joy in life and finds all these good things. So I'm hoping that people can walk away from this half hour mm -hmm feeling a little bit of what Kelly feels. But first, let's talk about the story. Where do we start when we talk about kind of the difficult part of your journey? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it has to start with the loss of my mother. Um, you know, of course, there were things prior to that, but mm -hmm. that really stands out as a huge defining moment in my life. Um, when I was 23, my mom unexpectedly committed suicide. And I had just moved out to Los Angeles. I had been in LA for seven days and knew that she had been having some challenges, obviously, prior to that. But suicide was never something that I thought we were even remotely dealing with or, or close to. And so truly blindsided, this wasn't something that was happening over and over again through your teen years or no, anything like that. No, okay. it really, um, her difficulty and struggle uh, with mental illness la was for sure a part of her life for many years. Mm -hmm. But I think she did a really good job of hiding it. Right. Um, and then it really started to show that she was struggling exponentially, probably about four or five months before she took her life. And so at 23, what is that like for you? You know, and what does that mean to you when your mother takes her life? You know, when it happened... And, and, you know, having just moved out to L.A., I just graduated college, and I was really on this mindset of I'm starting my life. Yeah. And I, I was, you know, leaving the nest, going off and starting my own journey. And then this brought me back and brought me down in such a way that mentally I wasn't even prepared for. I didn't know how to handle. Um, and when I got the phone call from my sister 
who found her, mm-hmm. I didn't even be- like it didn't connect. I didn't believe that that had actually happened. And for many years, I actually believed that my mom was still alive. Is that right? Yeah, that somehow it was all fake, and that she and and this sounds crazy, but that she you know had orchestrated this just to, so she could go away and like breathe for a little while. You know, oddly enough, that's not an uncommon thing to feel. You you know that I lost a brother to suicide mm-hmm. as well, and never saw never saw his body. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I talked to an ER doc who described things to me, but it crossed my mind at times. Like, I bet he's going to show up someday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wonder if that's our minds just kind of easing us into the reality. Yeah, because I didn't really deal with her death until many years later. Yeah, you know, yeah. I I survived for a few years kind of you know going through life with a a smoke screen a little bit I mean people would be like how are you you know and I I would be like oh my god I'm fine but my mom committed suicide but I'm doing really well I'm doing great things are fantastic my mother committed suicide and things are great yeah and and meanwhile (laughs) you know I'm drinking you know two bottles of wine by myself a night just to go to sleep and you know, everything, it was it was hazy. I think that's a, the way to describe it. And did you keep the grief at bay? Like, I think sometimes when we lose somebody in that unthinkable way, we decide, mm-mm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to feel whatever that darkness is. I'm not going to feel it. And, and maybe we worry, like, do I carry some of that? Will I inherit some of that? Absolutely. I mean, everything you just said, what I did instead of feeling is I did stuff. Like, I worked three jobs. I made myself so busy. You know, I um, was just constantly going and not stopping to think ever. And I, I very much felt if, if I stop, it, this could swallow me. And then I got into a horrific car accident, and I was forced to stop, and I was forced to think. And that is when it did start to swallow me. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I get it. I mean, I I think your point is, hey, I had this impulse, this urge, almost an instinct to go. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go, and I'm going to live, and I'm going to force myself. I'm going to force that smile. Yeah. Um, How how many years after your mother took her life did you have that car accident? How many years did you you kind of just persevere? So she um, passed away in 2013 or I'm sorry 2012 and then I um got in the car accident in 2015 okay and I didn't realize it was that recent yeah 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 oh I'm sorry gosh we're, we're 10 years no, we're, we're 10, 10 years, years off whoa hold on rewind 2000, people. 2002 <laughs> 2005 Thank whoa god. oh my gosh <laughs> I just was like really in it with you and so like dates just yeah sorry Woo. okay so right right I kind of figured we were off yeah by sorry a few years. no no not, uh 2002 right. and then 2005 was the car accident got it so got it. um so things stopped dead for you you stopped are, dead yeah and I, you literally. are bedridden yeah yeah. So how do you, what happens then? How do you deal then with the emotions that flood over you when you're sedentary? Well, the, the biggest part of that that was very interesting is when my mom passed away, I, you know, I had gone to L.A. And then obviously I came back mm-hmm. um, pretty quickly. And when I was back, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know whether to go back to L.A. where I had really no job, no support system, nothing, or stay and kind of deal with, you know, all of the 
the thickness around what had happened. And I decided to go back mm-hmm. to California. Yeah. This car accident was at a wedding in Virginia, which is which is where I'm from. And so I was back and I was in this car accident and I was forced to stay there. Wow. For not not happily if I'm not happily. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um for about a month because I wasn't I wasn't okay to fly or, you know, right. all of that. So, you know, that was odd, like kind of being forced to be there when I had, you know, quite frankly, run away a little yeah. bit. And so, you know, I was back in the house where it happened. Um, you know, I was back around my family that I, I was certainly struggling with my relationships with them at the time. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it did. It all came up really fast. And I did end up going back to L.A., I was dating my then husband at the time, uh-huh. and I I definitely started to to slip, and I, I was sleeping a lot. I was sleeping all day, and and yeah, it, it was I was depressed. I took a leave of absence from work, and take me back to your month for a second. Well, I, well, I want to get to the slip, mm-hmm. but take me back to that month. Sometimes I think there's things happen for a reason, and you know you're kind of forced into you know like. You're going to be at the scene of the crime, and yeah. you are going to face this one way or another. And some, maybe the car accident happened for a reason. Yeah. Do you feel that way, or do you feel like, no, oh, I no. did not need that? The the car accident was pivotal, and yeah. it needed to happen. And in a way, the car accident almost felt like, you know, I, I struggle with spirituality and religion, um, but there there's got there is a feeling that somehow— there was a there was a power in that that mm-hmm. was beyond me mm-hmm. um, that was like, no, you need to stop like this is this is your point to turn. And it's something, you know, it was such a force that happened. Um, so, yeah, I mean, was it my mom? You know, I don't know. But was it was it healing? Because I get that it wasn't the end of the journey. No. You got back to L.A. and you felt like, OK, well, now I feel awful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It ended up being very healing, yeah. in physically and mentally, and all of that. But um, it was it was the turning point that that got me into therapy, mm-hmm. um, and I really attribute that primarily to my husband, um, who I was only dating at the time. You know, so he gave me an ultimatum. He was like, "If you don't get help for yourself, I can't be with you." And for no I, kidding, oh yeah, and wow. for a young man, I mean you know, 25 years old at the time, yeah. to say that to me, to a girl he's dating, was was also very pivotal, Yeah, you know, and he has supported me in that journey ever since. Yeah. So, um, you know, I really attribute a lot of my mental health to those moments, um, the car accident and then my husband's ultimatum. You know, knowing your husband, you, you the two of you seem like such a a great team in so many ways you know you support each other at times of need but thinking about the fact that he was 25 at the yeah. time you do wonder like where does the wisdom come from to yeah. recognize that's what you need to hear yeah you and know? you know Kevin and I he is he's a very introspective person he's very nurturing he's very loving I tend to be more extroverted. Um, you know, I put a lot of my emotions out and he, you know, kind of relishes them all inside. <laughs> um, but we, be, because of that, we're, we're just big believers in mental health and working on ourselves and, and working on our relationship. You know, people do see 
our relationship and and we do we have a good relationship but it's not always good we have to work sure. hard at that I mean we're in couples therapy right now you mm-hmm. know we have a big transition coming up in our life and you know just had a daughter two years ago and that changes everything so we go back and we do the work with each other separate from each other to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves right right and so um, how do things progress? So, so Kevin gives this throwdown. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's going to be therapy, or you taking care of yourself, or I'm out. I can't yeah. do it. Um, you clearly choose the I'm gonna I'm gonna get well. Yeah, and you know it was actually I'm kind of skimming over. There was um, an episode that that took place that kind of brought this ultimatum on. Um, you know, one night I was drinking heavily out with friends, and. Kevin came to meet us later, and when I drank, my emotions tended to come out in a, in a destructive manner, and um, I had too much to drink. Kevin showed up. We, I kind of picked a fight with him about something stupid, and it spiraled, and I got very out of control, and I started threatening to kill myself and hurt myself, and I didn't want to live anymore, and I hated my life, and I missed my mom, and... Uh, you know, it was a cry for help, mm. but we were in a hotel, and I ran to one random floor on the hotel and hid in the bathroom and was threatening to hurt myself, and Kevin couldn't find me. So he called hotel security, who ended up finding me and escorted me nicely out of the hotel. Kevin called my dad that night and said, you know, because we were young and we didn't have a lot of money and resources. Right. And he called my dad and he said, I love your daughter. I really care about her, but she needs help. And I think she's going to need some help financially to be able to go see a therapist and get that help she needs. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, so first of all, I appreciate you sharing mm-hmm. that piece of the story. I mm-hmm. get that that probably wasn't easy. Yeah. Um, and yet it's important, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes we need either a perceived or an actual bottom yeah. for ourselves. And was that it for you? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I, I there were other moments for sure throughout the process that yeah. were really difficult and really challenging, but that stands out as, you know, the next morning, um, you know, we woke up, I was hungover, feeling really guilty and just really awful. Mm-hmm. And, Ke- I, you know, I'll never forget, Kevin and I, we went out to breakfast, we sat there, I cried. Um, and I was like, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know how to find a therapist. Like, what do I do? Right. And so I actually just ended up making a doctor's appointment with my doctor and I, you know, went in and Kevin went with me and another friend was there and they waited in the waiting room and I went in and I just, you know, started crying and I was like, I don't even know how to, what to do. I'm, so I'm just coming here and saying I need help. And he was so kind and sat there and listened didn't prescribe me any medication. You know, it was just, it was a good moment. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, here's a couple of therapists that I would recommend. Um, and that's that's when I started going. You know, just just as a, as a brief aside, for those who are listening, think about the, the elegance of that piece of Kelly's story. That's just this idea, I'm going to go to the closest person I know who might be able to guide me in the right direction right. and just say the words, I need help. Mm-hmm. You know, there's courage in that, right? I mean, yeah. w- were you anxious about it? Oh, my God. It, it was not easy. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, something that my mom did very well throughout our lives um, was put on that that smile and that facade that mm. everything was okay. And that was certainly something I learned from a young age that no matter what's going on, like, you don't you don't showcase that. Right. You know? 
Um, and I, I did a good job of doing that, of, you know, pretending like everything was okay. And so to have to let down that guard and let down my facade was really hard. It was, it was embarrassing. I mean, was I, was, I was embarrassed. And knowing you, you know, um, the I'm okay thing and the smile that comes so readily and the, the cheer and, and you know, the, your upbeat nature seems so organic to you that I can imagine that this was maybe scary. Yeah. yeah. It, it was very scary. I, you know, I felt like I was losing myself. Mm-hmm. Like I was losing, everything was crumbling around me that I thought I knew. Um, it was, it was a little paralyzing even because I was just like, where do I even go from here? Right. You know, I, I feel like I'm nothing. And, um, you know, I, I, it did, everything crumbled and I had to rebuild. You know, sometimes, um, when I talk to somebody who's had suicide in their family, especially somebody close, like a a parent, um, there's this anxiety that, Ooh, is that, is that a bug I've caught here? Definitely. Were you worried? Yes. And I, you know, I think deep down that that may never go away Mm -hmm. of just feeling like it's possible. Like your mental health and mental illness is that powerful that even though I'm pretty self-aware, I feel like, you know, I recognize when I am going down a certain path that I would get the help I need, that I have a good support system in place now. I think we can't be naive to think that it's not a potential at some point in our lives. Who knows what can happen? It's a really good point, you know, that that we're always in process, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and you can be, you can feel very upbeat. You can put up a very good front that everything's okay all yeah. the time, but we all need help sometimes, and that never goes away, right? right. I mean, you're, you, we're always looking to improve ourselves, but there's we all carry some element of darkness in our psyches as well, right? Yeah, Yeah. and I think that's, you know, the thing that I had to learn, Mm -hmm. Um, and I learned that in, you know, my therapy and in my work that, like, there will always be shadow parts of me and dark parts of me, and I have to be able to access those in a healthy way, understand them, dialogue with them, you know, whatever that looks like, whether it's, it's writing or painting, you know, everybody has kind of an outlet but that it's okay to feel really, I don't know if I can cuss, but fucked up feelings. <laughs> you can, and yes, okay. seems like the right word. You know, where you do feel like so, so much darkness yeah. that it, it's like, how is that even in me? Right, right, right. But it's okay to, as long as you, you can recognize it and understand that it is okay to feel that way and have a healthy dialogue with it, whatever that looks like. I love that. I love that. You, you said something a minute ago that I, I, I'm hung up on, that it was embarrassing mm. to need help, you mm-hmm. know? And I think so many of us feel precisely that way. Yeah. And so I know so many people who will not get help. One of my right. very best friends needs help desperately. And because he feels like, mm, there is weakness woven into that, I'm not going to do it. Weakness. Yeah. That is, I think, the word that is so destructive. For so many people. It was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like I'm a very strong person. Yeah. And to feel weak is um, very powerless. And yeah, it, it, and it goes with that embarrassment of like, how am I, how am I like this? Like, this is, this is idiotic. Like, pick yourself up, you know, move, move forward, do something. 
And I, I think that weakness is is debilitating. Yeah. And and there's this self-judgment, right? Mm-hmm. Come on. What, what's wrong with you, Kelly? Just go, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. You've done this before. You've been you've been a goer all your life and a doer. Yeah. Yeah. And and I still struggle with weakness. It's it's a very challenging thing for me. Um, I don't like to feel weak and I have to be very aware of that because yeah. it is okay for me to have weak moments. Um, you know, I, I have to work on that consistently in my marriage because I'm a I'm a dominant personality and, you know, I, I'm go, go, go. And, and that's very much how I am in my life. And, you know, sometimes my husband points it out that it's a weakness to, to be that way. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. To not stop, to not be present, you know. And, and I fight against it and, you know, but he's right. You know, I, yeah. I really do have to slow down sometimes and realize that being that go, go, go is a, is a little bit of a weakness. I, I don't know if you know um, Brene Brown's work, but she talks about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And we have kind of culturally decided vulnerability is weakness, right? Mm-hmm. And so we want to fight that. Totally. And her argument consistently is that's where all our strength lies is once we're vulnerable and we're living our truth, even if there's some darkness to it, yeah. that that's where our core strength lies. It sounds like that's what Kevin tries to cue you to uh, on occasion, at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and I think, as you know, as I mentioned before, Kevin's very introspective. Yes. He's more internal than I am. And, and yeah, I mean, I think that I still, you know, look at what I did all those years ago instead of dealing with my mom's death, my you know, reflex is to work three jobs, make myself very busy. And I do that in my life today. Mm-hmm. You know, you I, do. I have a full-time job. I have a daughter. You know, I, I like to volunteer. I like to give time. I like to learn new things. I like to write. I like to do comedy, you know, all these things. And I do, I have to, I have to be really aware that am I filling up my time to not be aware of something that's going on inside, right? Or do I really enjoy these moments and these activities? How do you know? How, how do you determine <laughs> whether this is this is an avoidant activity or this is really progressive and good for me? Well, I think that goes to the vulnerability piece because, you know, I have to really tap into what fulfills me, you know, and doing my little, you know, comedy stuff, like, you know, being a character, like, making fun videos with my daughter, like, I enjoy that, you know, like, I love that, it fills up my soul, it makes me happy, and, and yeah, sometimes it's a little vulnerable, right, you know, because sometimes it's not always that funny, right, you know, and I'm, like, (laughs) putting myself out there, like, you know, being a weird character, and, you know, putting it out on YouTube, and showing it to the world, that's, that's vulnerable. Oh, yeah, and, it's about as vulnerable as it gets, right? right? Yeah. And, and even doing this, you know, doing, having this conversation with you, this is, this is vulnerable, like, opening myself up, but I think that it's important, and, and I think that's why I do try to be as open of a book as possible, mm-hmm. because people do, I think, feel very connected to me, um, because I do have a lot of, you know, positivity and a big personality and I am very welcoming, but it's important for people to know that that's not my full story. Right. They, they need to know that I, I work hard every day to be able to feel this way. 
if that makes sense. It makes so much sense. It's, it's kind of what I wanted most from this conversation with you is like, you know, having gone through so much and I didn't know your hotel story. I didn't know mm -hmm. that kind of like kind of disastrous night story that you had. Um, but that adds, you know, dimension to the richness of what you've been through. You know, part of me wonders, like, well, why were you willing to talk to me here today? <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and, but part of it is just to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And you're aware that there's some mandate for you specifically that, you know, people are drawn to you mm -hmm. and that you need to let people know, hey, it's not it's not easy to yeah. maintain this this state. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I'm really fortunate that I've been able to build relationships in my life, you know, not just with my husband, but with friends where I can have really open conversations where I don't feel judged, where I don't feel embarrassed, where I can say some of these dark parts of myself mm -hmm. out loud. Um, and I'm, I'm very lucky and I'm very fortunate to have that um, because those are outlets and they're necessary for me. Right. So for somebody who is kind of in that moment in the hotel, in the tub, you know, hiding from mm -hmm. everybody and, you know, feeling that suicidal hopelessness. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that person if you could? Um, I would, I would, I would give her a hug. I would give her a hug and I would rub her back and I would say, let it out. It's okay to feel this way. You need to go through this. You need to feel these feelings, but you're going to come out the other end. There's light. No, I love that. I love that. Um, and to give them permission to feel what they're feeling instead of instead of telling them they shouldn't. Yeah. You know, and I think we do that all the time. It's going to be okay. Everything's fine. Right. And it's not. Right. Like in that moment, it's right. not okay. Like it's not going to be okay. And I think that that's the, the whole point here is whatever you're feeling, you have to feel it. And, and you know, I, I do struggle with, you know, all these medications that people get prescribed because I think it masks how we really feel. And I don't think that we can get through these issues and these challenges and these traumas without feeling the, the depths of that pain and anxiety right. and, you know, sadness. I agree completely. And, you know, it's part of my big issue with the pharmaceutical industry is that, you know, like we tweak away any discomfort so that we never really know ourselves, yeah. right? In, including those dark parts that are so core mm -hmm. and integral to the light, yeah. right? They, we we live both contrasts and they're important. A absolutely. Yeah. You know, like right now, you know, there's a lot of positive things in my life, yeah. um, but there's a lot of anxiety. You know, I'm getting ready to move and transition and, um, you know, I just have to make sure I'm managing the light and the dark. Yep. Yep. So I can say, knowing you, that being around you feels good. And I think I'm speaking for just about anybody who knows you and knows yeah. you well. Um, is that important to you? Is that important to um, what you want to spread to the world, to your husband, your child, your friends, your family? Absolutely. But in an authentic way. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I want my goal in life is to have strong connections with people, whatever that looks like. Um, you know, whether it's a short connection or a long-term connection, I want to make sure that when I 
walk away from a conversation or walk away from an interaction that that person feels like I was present, I was authentic, and that I that I cared. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's what's most important to me is to be authentic. I love that, and it, and it's all we've got, especially mm-hmm. when we've been through something, and I think we all have, right? Yeah. Um, is there any core part of your message that you want to get out there? If this were your legacy, this is your TED Talk, Kelly. Um, is there anything you feel like you want people to know that we haven't touched on yet? Get to know yourself. Really get to know yourself. Figure out who you are. Try not to compare yourself to other people. Know that we are all individuals. And whatever you want to do or you're passionate about try to harness that and channel it because we don't all have to be the same we don't all have to follow the same path of marriage family kids buying a home that doesn't need to be everyone's goal own what you really want to do and if it's different than everyone else who fucking cares life is short right exactly yeah you never know just live yeah that is my uh, friend Kelly, beautiful inside and out. Thank you so much for joining me here. Thank you. This was amazing. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, and thanks for sharing your story. Absolutely. Um, guys, you can find the Undo Anxiety podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, LiveLeadPlay.com, and WGN Plus, the studios of which we are recording from right now. Um, as always, I appreciate your time that you protect to listen to Undo Anxiety. Kelly, I appreciate your time. Absolutely. And And I will talk to you folks next time. Thanks so much.